listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life family. My name is JT Manning, and I'm so glad that I get to be with you this morning and so glad that we get to kind of explore this message together as we're all kind of exploring the different circumstances we're in. I'm the uh, property manager here at Eastside Marketplace. I get to uh, manage Eastside Marketplace on behalf of Real Life, and it's such a blessing for me to get to do that as we find different ways to bless the community. Um, as you can imagine, I haven't seen a, a, a barber or had a haircut in quite a while, so I'm a, I'm a little shaggy and uh, hope you forget, forgive my hat. Uh, but uh, I, I, I just haven't found a way to uh, quite trust my wife, and my wife doesn't quite trust herself either to cut my hair, and so we uh, elected to wait until later. If for no other reason, then we also had a had a little girl in January. And so uh, on top of quarantine, like you, we also were exploring uh, maternity leave and how to continue our family of four now um, and how to, how to live life together as we're all just stuck at home and trying to get the energy of a toddler out as well as work together to, to live life. Um, but it hasn't been all bad. It's actually been an incredible blessing because that means I've been able to work from home quite a bit more and been able to see my family. If I get frustrated or tired down in my, my dungeon office, I can just walk upstairs, which takes about 30 seconds, and there's my uh, happy little toddler, my adorable baby, and my smiling wife. Uh, and it's been an incredible blessing to have all three of those so close lately. And uh, that's one of the things where I say at this time, we, not everything has been terrible. Uh, another he, really exciting thing that's happened is for Easter, we at Eastside usually have the huge Easter egg hunt. And this year, instead of having a giant Easter egg hunt, the marketing team recommended that we just take the eggs that we would normally buy and donate them to the community so that the community could take them home and anyone could have their own personal Easter egg hunt at home. So I, I don't know if you were able to participate in that, but as tenants, all of the tenants of Eastside contributed to making that happen, which meant that you and, and your, your giving helped make that happen. Uh, we, I, I love the fact that we as a community get, get to bless the community we live in. Um, and uh, w- one other thing before I really get going is what's, what's sitting on the table. I know it can easily be distracting uh, to have things sitting on the table that I'm not using, but uh, this, is the, this is the cup I use at home to take communion during this time. And so I decided to bring it in to share a little bit of my home with you. And also uh, my wife and I love the salted French that we can get. And so we, I brought some salted French in so that I can have the same communion that I would have at home because it's been a little hard watching Josh eat that little wafer every week, knowing he could bring in like bread or something else. I thought it would be fun to, to share and kind of diversify. And then again, uh, I have this uh, bowl full of apples because today a lot of what we're going to be talking about is what happens when we have our apple cart turned over. Um, as, we, as we navigate this, this sermon series on influence, what does it mean to have influence in the midst of all of our apples, whether simply or totally and completely all at once being turned over and dumped out of our apple cart that we haul through life. And much like the disciples, uh, when, when Jesus died and was put in the grave, they had three days of not knowing what was next. And one by one, or all at once, their apple carts were turned over and everything was dumped out of their apple carts. And all of a sudden they had to reconcile how they lived their lives and what they were going to do, and how they were going to 
operate in a world between crucifixion and resurrection. And that's why this morning we're, we're talking about Thomas is because his apple cart had been flipped over. And he's, he was always been referenced as the doubter. The, the church has always labeled him as the doubting Thomas. And the disciples never labeled him that in, in their gospels, but the, the early church labeled him as the doubting Thomas. And we've always called him doubting Thomas, which for me is this really uh, tumultuous moment because my middle name is Thomas. And so I, I get to relate to a disciple, but then again, it's the doubting disciple. It's the disciple who had questions, who pushed back. And so I have to recon- had to reconcile in myself, how do I relate to a doubting Thomas? How do I relate to someone who, whose influence is the doubter? But the, the more I dug into that, and the more I tried to understand who Thomas was, I, I started to see his story a little differently. And, and really, I, I can't try to explain his story without actually looking at the, at the text and seeing what the text says. And so today, we're going to be look, reading in John 20, uh, John 20, 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, so his name is Thomas and Didymus, which means he has a Hebrew name and a Greek name. So he has his life fully planted in Hebrew culture as a Jew, and he has a life fully planted in the Roman and Greek culture as, as a Jew trying to live in both, much like you and I might be able to have a foot firmly planted in the spiritual world. We would also then have a foot firmly planted in the real physical world. And Thomas has a life living in both, which means he has to exist in both. And Thomas means twin, which if you want to go do a fun word study, go look up when twin is used in the Old Testament and how it relates and what that would mean. Because it's directly related to Jacob and Esau. And so you have Jacob and Esau, these two people who are so different and how that would then stretch forward into Thomas's life and what the disciples might have been saying when they reference him. And I would love to get into that, but that is not something that we have time for today because that's not part of Thomas's influence. But Thomas's life didn't stop there. His life and his story continues on. Uh, Thomas, known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So, After Jesus was crucified, the disciples scattered, and some of them came back together. Obviously, Judas wasn't there, and we know that Thomas wasn't there, which means he was someplace else. Was he operating in the world of his his Greek nature, where he was with the Romans? Was he living a life with the Romans, or was he hiding, trying to not be caught or crucified? Wherever he was, he wasn't with the disciples, which means... He, he was trying to figure things out, but he wasn't doing it with the people that helped him figure out life for the last three years. So for you and I, we can kind of actually relate to this moment because I'm assuming after Jesus was crucified, those three days were kind of what I've come to call quarantine. As we've all been living in quarantine, time has been operating really weird for me, and I don't know about for you, but I would assume his time slowed way down and every minute felt like an hour and the hours felt like days. And he was trying to figure out how do I live and operate in a world where Jesus isn't alive. And part of where he went, he went someplace that wasn't to the disciples to figure that out. 
but he does come back to them. And when he comes back to them, the text says, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. He's alive. They've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his sides, I will not believe. Thomas says, I choose unbelief, not because I don't trust you as my friends, not because I don't trust you as fellow Jews, but because I want to see the scientific fact that Jesus is alive through smell, taste, touch, hearing, visual sight. I want to see that Jesus is alive. Likewise, you and I are going to want proof that a vaccine works before we go for a vaccine, before we choose to have that. And so Thomas wants proof. He wants Greek proof. The Didymus is coming out because Thomas is not winning in this moment. And the text continues on in Thomas's story. A week later, when it says a week, the Greek literally says eight days, which is like, okay, whatever, seven days, eight days, you know, from a Greek perspective, we can just round that off, no big deal. But from a Hebrew perspective, eight days, well, that's how long you would wait before you would circumcise your child. So Thomas waits eight days, and then something happens. As if to say, during those eight days, Thomas's heart might have been trimmed, might have been adjusted a little bit to be less Greek, less and more Hebrew. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Another sign that Thomas's heart has turned. He has gone from saying, I'm going to put the, the Greek things back in my apple cart, to saying, the disciples were important. I just lived three, week, three years with these guys. There's, there's something to this, and it's more than just what it was. And through, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus shows up, looks at all the disciples and says, peace be with you. Then he t- said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand, put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas doesn't even talk to Jesus, and Jesus knows what Thomas needs. He knows the proof Thomas needs. So Thomas doesn't even ask for it, and Jesus says, No, put your hands here. Come see. I am here, and I am bigger than your unbelief. Because that's what it says. It doesn't say doubting. It says unbelief. Because this is about Thomas's choice to not believe, not about whether or not he has questions. Because Jesus shows up and immediately overcomes the questions. In the same way we have questions today, Jesus overcame them for Thomas. And Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Thomas immediately goes from unbelief to belief, just like that. And according to the Gospel of John, Thomas is the first one to look at Jesus after resurrection and say, my Lord, my God, which is a big deal when you figure Thomas, Jesus has already appeared to all of the disciples. Jesus has already appeared to Mary and the others. And immediately Thomas says, my Lord, my God. And continuing on, then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Because this is about choosing to believe without seeing. Thomas chose what went back in his apple cart. And he kind of did it wrong at first. He chose to not be with the disciples for a time. And then he changed his mind and decided to see his friends again. Because his entire apple cart had been turned over. Friends and family, I don't know about you, but our apple carts, my apple cart has been turned over. My goals and priorities for the year are out the window for sure. And if I couldn't watch a workout on my TV, I don't even know what I would be doing for health and wellness right now. And so all my apples are dumped out of my cart. And I've, they've been dumped out of my cart for the last six to eight weeks. And I don't know if you can relate, but now I'm looking at the world going back together and I'm trying to figure out what are my priorities going to be. The good news is, is all of our apples have been dumped out. So the good apples and the bad apples, and not all the apples have to go back. Because it, it almost feels like my life before quarantine is, is lost. And in certain ways, I've, I've even seen myself go through the stages of grief. Maybe, maybe you can see that for yourself too as I have gone through mourning the loss of that old life. And one of the most comforting things is that I know I'm not alone. I know that we're all in this together, figuring out how do I survive in the midst of quarantine and then work together to figure out what comes next in life. Much like Thomas, when Christ was crucified, had to decide what his priorities were and how he and the other disciples were going to figure out life. Well, that was limited to Thomas and the disciples and the followers of Jesus. We as a globe, the whole world, this, this spaceship earth is going through this together and we're not alone. And that's where we have this amazing opportunity to put the apples back in our cart. And but one by one, we get to choose what we prioritize. Am I, am I going to prioritize my relationship with God and put it back in my cart? Am I going to prioritize my, my family? Like I said, it's been so wonderful to spend time with my family, extra time. Do I want that to go back in my cart first? Am I going to choose to prioritize, continue to prioritize my health and wellness and take care of myself? Am I going to continue to prioritize the relationships with these friends? Thomas had these relationships with the disciples, and he, he maybe questioned those for at times, but am I going to prioritize these relationships with, the, with my uh, with my home group, with the people that I've done, been living life with. It, it, I, I never thought I would spend so much time on a Zoom call, you know? I, it, yeah. Th that we can even use Zoom as a household term at this point because of the, the way we spent these last eight weeks is, is crazy enough. But then there are other apples where, where we've haven't been having to figure out how we've been coping during these last eight weeks. How, how have we been able to develop habits that maybe haven't been the healthiest? You know, whether it's uh, socially acceptable, spending too much time on social media, or where, where you might sit down at dinner and have, have one drink. You've, you've been having one drink, and then there would be three or four later because of the stress and anxiety and frustrations. We have to prioritize and choose what apples don't go back in the cart. And then there's even more socially unacceptable 
ways that we've been coping, but there's been so many ways to cope. But how we move forward from this time, how we react and how we prioritize and choose to join God as he puts this chaos back in order is going to define how people see the church in 20, 30, 50, and 100 years from now. And we as a community, not just real life here in Moscow, but also real life in Pullman, all of the churches throughout the nation, get to now choose and prioritize what goes back in our apple carts first. And by putting the right apples back in 100 years, they're not going to look back at us and call us the doubting church, like the early church looked back and saw Thomas as the doubting Thomas. They're going to look back and say, oh, That was the church that chose their relationship with God. That was the church that got serious about setting aside their coping mechanisms that haven't been that healthy. That was the church that said, we will do this together and we will find ways to bless the community. And we can use God's priorities to do that. We can use God's methods through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, we can work together and show the community what it means to be a part of God's church and a part of God's community first. And I would invite you to do that with me in the way that I leave my house, in the way that I walk down the street. I, I walk down the street and I've said hello to more people walking down the street than I ever did before. And we're still socially distanced, but it's as if we look at each other and say, I see you, thank you, hello, and and continue walking. And it it literally puts a smile on my face underneath my silly little mask. It literally puts a smile on my face to know that we see each other and we can say, we're in this together and it's going to be okay. As we continue to prioritize and put the apples back in our cart, that's what's going to define how people see us later. In the same way that at the Last Supper, Jesus sat down and he he had the Last Supper with the disciples. We now look back on that today and see it the way we do because the priorities of what Jesus said at that table. And that night, when Jesus had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. And in the same way, he took the cup. When he had taken a drink, he said, this is my blood of the covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember his blood. Lord God, I thank you that I have this family at this time. And we all together can move forward and learning what comes next. That we all together can choose and prioritize what goes in our carts first. We together can choose and help each other prioritize what does not get back in our carts. Lord God, thank you for this family that we have, for the opportunity we have to continue to worship together through all of these unconventional means. In your name we pray, amen. Family, as you go this week, as you leave, and as you participate in the community, and as we continue to figure out what comes next, my prayer for you, my prayer for myself, my prayer for my family, is that we would choose the apples 
of what God has given us, that we would choose the apples of God's priorities first and join him as he continues to bring order to the chaos that we've been living in. I love you. Have a great week. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.